Hello and welcome to the Stockout. I'm Mike Bautkistel. I'm head of Intermodal Solutions here at FreightWaves. Uh, the Stockout is your show at FreightWaves related to all things uh, consumer packaged goods, CPG, uh, those companies, and anything related to their supply chains. Um, so today uh, we're going to be focusing on expanding CPG sales on Amazon. So I know a lot of uh, CPG companies are going to be um, you know, interested in that. So I'll be interviewing Chris Moe. He's the co-founder of Cartograph. That's a company that helps brands grow on Amazon and Instacart, um, do that in a number of different ways, uh, do a lot of work with food companies and organic companies. So we'll learn a lot more about that. Um, and I'll also uh, give a rundown of the biggest uh, CPG supply chain uh, headlines. But before I do that, a word from today's sponsor is RJW Logistics Group. RJW owns and operates every step of the, of the middle mile. As an asset-based integrated logistics company, they offer a full suite of retail supply chain solutions under one roof, including industry-leading retail consolidation that consistently delivers over 98% on time and in full month after month to many retailers. RJW's programs offer global suppliers control and transparency, helping them improve in-stocks, achieve retailer compliance, grow market share, and increase sales. Visit rjwgroup.com to optimize your supply chain today. So big thanks to RJW uh, Logistics Group. I'm going to have their CEO on this show um, in a couple of uh, weeks. Um, but first, I'll uh, give a C CPG News uh, rundown. Um, a lot of things uh, happening uh, this week, uh, most of which are not um, you know, going to contribute to lower food prices. Um, let me put it that way. Um, so first thing here is low water levels are impairing grain transportation on the Mississippi River. Um, you know, this has been problematic. Uh, this is the eighth uh, lowest water level on record and the lowest in a decade on the Mississippi River. You know, that's an issue for companies moving grain up and down the Mississippi River. In Ingram Barge uh, is the largest, uh, you know, barge company that focuses strictly on grain. Um, and they've told customers that, that the low water levels mean that they may not be able to fulfill all deliveries. Uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture says barred spot rates to move grain up 58% year over year. A lot of those rates are spot rates because they can move so, so much during, um, you know, the, the busy season, which is the fall. So it uh, can make things difficult for anyone um, you know, involved in the grain you know, export trade, may actually make more grain available domestically if, if some of it can't get exported out of the port of uh, New Orleans. Second news item here is egg prices hit a fresh high. Um, you know, I think uh, most people are focused on how, how much these ingredients are, have been rising, but uh, egg prices rising more are more than any other food uh, item. You know, sort of year over year, it's about two hundred percent higher than they would typically be. Issue is primarily the avian flu that uh, tends to happen in the spring and go goes away in the summer. It didn't go away in the in the summer and as we head to the, to the fourth quarter typically fourth quarter is the busiest season for the year for, for egg sales prices usually rise about 30 percent during that time so it sounds like um you know there could be another step up uh here as far as uh, potatoes go a uh, lamb weston which is the big supplier of frozen potatoes and other vegetable products uh this uh week said that uh, this year's potato crop will be no, near the low end of its historical averages. The reason, um, similar to the, the barge situation, is, is the drought. Uh, makes it difficult to grow potatoes. They said the quality of the crop is solid, but the company had to purchase potatoes outside of its normal supply network. Um, so uh, companies that rely on potatoes, uh, you can see the prices of those continuing to, to, to be high. They had to get some potatoes from the, the East Coast, actually. So um, a little bit of what's happening in the in, in the news uh, with with CPG is just you know continues to be you know lots of uh, you know issues that make food supply chains uh, challenging. 
Uh, before we get into the, the interview here, um, just another a quick shout out to RGW Logistics Group. Are you assessing the advantages of prepaid versus collect freight management for delivery into retail? RJW's retail consolidation program consistently achieves over 98% on time and in full to ensure stronger shelf presence, increased in stocks, retailer compliance, and overall retail supply chain improvement. Visit rjw.com to speak with a retail logistics expert about the advantages of RJW's program and to make the best decisions for your business. Uh, we dove into that issue a few weeks ago um, on the show. So big thanks to RJW Logistics Group. And with that, we'd like to bring on today's uh, guest. I'll give a little bit of an introduction. Um, our guest today is Chris Moe. He's the co-founder of Cartograph. That's a company that helps CPG companies and um, other companies that want to sell via e-commerce, uh, expand their presence online, grow effectively online through Amazon, Instacart, um, et cetera. Some of the clients include Magic Spoon, uh, Lemon Perfect, Pop Chips, Kin Euphorics. Um, uh, Chris, thank you for, for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited for us to chat. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a topic that I um, am not an expert in by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm looking forward to, to, to learning uh, from you. And uh, maybe just start with a question. Um, you know, what should uh, uh, let's say you have a successful uh, company, CPG company, um, but they they sort of strictly work in the retail channel, or maybe they have a you know a website that they get some business from. You know, what should they be thinking about as they say sort of take the leap to, to Amazon? Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, I think Amazon is a natural strategic question for any brand that's got a fair amount of brand awareness or market presence, um, and. I think fewer fewer brands are asking the question if they should go and more actually just now um, saying when and how. Uh, you know, Amazon is the place where most American consumers start their product research. And so chances are, if you're doing any kind of marketing or you're out there in the world, um, consumers are searching for your brand on Amazon. And so that's usually the place that we start, which is you already have people looking for your products on Amazon. There's probably competitors who are advertising on your name on Amazon. So a good, good place to see and like start in your assessment. Um, a couple things you should consider based upon uh, really we, we've grouped companies into digital native brands versus retail native brands. Um, if you're a digital native brand, you have to think about assortment. Um, how can you offer something that probably has, will, will have prime shipping and free shipping that doesn't conflict with your offers on your D2C site. Usually it's not that hard because your product's already made for D2C, but sometimes there's a little bit of decisions to be made if you have like a minimum free shipping threshold. Then for retail brands, the, the question's often a bit bigger, which is what should we sell? What can we sell profitably? How can we price it competitively? And then what can we do to make sure we don't run into either um, pricing or third-party reseller arbitrage? Um, from channel conflict. Okay, so that's that's interesting. So um, it sort of brings up the next question, which is, it sounds like there's some products that are just going to do better on Amazon than than others. And in, in terms of you know, a CPG company, I want to maintain my margin. So, so what are some characteristics of, of of some products that do well on Amazon, and maybe some that don't that don't do so well? Yeah, um, it, a little bit depends on your definition of well. Um, you know, beverages do extremely well; they don't drive a ton of profit because it's very expensive to ship them. Um, and so probably the, the, the things that do best on Amazon is if you have something that's um, lighter weight, smaller cube, and has a higher price. That's just going to be able to absorb some of the fixed sh uh, shipping costs on e-commerce better versus um, stuff with larger cube, 
or or that's heavier. If you're shipping water, for example, um, so ready to drink beverage can be a little bit challenging to get um, to to ship on Amazon profitably unless you have a high enough price browns so then it that can really work. And then some brands struggle with like if you're a salty snot snack brand, for example, that has a hot, a, a large cube and you're ending up shipping a lot of bags with air, it can be a little bit challenging because Amazon will charge dimensional weight. Um, but moreover, which which brands will be will be high demand um, on Amazon? Is it's it's brands that really identify with um, terms that consumers are looking for on the platform. Terms terms that are that are trendy. You know, stuff that um, has done well in in past years. Uh, things like keto have done really well on Amazon because a lot of people are looking for products related to that. And now things like fiber are are trending on Amazon. Yeah, so that's interesting. So it's, it sounds like, you know, maybe people don't do all their grocery shopping on Amazon, but it's like they want to supplement that by, you know, looking at seeing and seeing what's available. And if you're interested in, I don't know, keto um, protein bars or something like that, you go and do research on Amazon. If you're not there, the consumer doesn't know you exist. It's hard to buy something if you don't know it exists. Um, so you really need to be there sort of highly profitable or not um and then you yeah. have the people uh, you know be more profitable yeah there's totally a brand representation um, angle to this that you can imagine a lot of shoppers nowadays walk around retail stores with their phones and they look at a product on the shelf and they'll pull up amazon and say okay let's see what pe- other people say online or let's let's get like a 360 degree view of how this brand is represented what the brand story is because consumers care about that increasingly and so even if um, even if you're a brand that's like D 2 C, what we find is that a lot of consumers who see your ads on platforms like um, Facebook or Instagram, they then open up their Amazon app and type in your brand name. We actually have a fair amount of data on this, and we find that usually brands will get a um, 0.25x ROI on their digital ad spend in terms of unattributed Amazon sales from brand searches. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, so it brings up another question that I think has been sort of topic of an hour here that we talked about a lot of freight waves is, 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 is inventory, where a lot of retail inventory is at a high level. I mean, if, if I'm a CPG company and I, I'm saying, okay, I've made the decision, I have to be on Amazon. Is it problematic because you need to have more inventory in more places that's close to the consumer and Amazon promises next day, same day delivery? You know, if you're gonna have same day delivery, to Dallas, it pretty much needs to be in the Dallas area, right? So I, I, how do you think about the investment that needs to be made um, in terms of inventory? Sure. So, you know, and any retailer requires you to allocate a separate inventory pool. So that that includes, you know, wholesale retailers and forth and so forth. Amazon is actually a reasonably easy retailer, um, pretty much regardless of how you interface with Amazon, whether you have a first party relationship, like a more conventional wholesale relationship with them. Or like most emerging brands, you're on their marketplace channel, their third-party channel where you sell on consignment. The way that their network is set up is you send into just a couple nodes and they will rebalance your inventory throughout their network. So you don't actually have to care where, um, it, it doesn't matter too much where your product is housed. You get it to Amazon and they're immediately rebalancing it based upon um, their data. And that's what they've, um, you know, a lot of their their tech is about their ability to do network rebalancing and then move the, the product to where it would be there for, um, for one day shipping. Um, there are definitely 
different inventory capabilities necessary with Amazon. Um, with, with conventional retailers, oftentimes you let them drive the bus and they say, okay, here's how much product we need. We're going to send you a PO at the same day of the week, every week, and you ship it out. With Amazon, a lot of the times you have to be watching your inventory. And so we work with our clients to really understand, one, their, their uh, 3PL arrangements, warehouse arrangement. Um, what are the lead times? How exactly do we communicate? How exactly do we talk in terms of inventory? And then um, what are the common uh, times for product on truck and then receiving at Amazon? And so when you really understand that, um, that workflow, then you can understand how much you need to stock up in order to make sure that you're um, in stock. And even with your velocity changing, you know, we're rolling into Q4 velocities are going up a lot across a lot of categories. Um, you got to keep a, keep a really close eye on those velocities to make sure that you're not stocking up. Okay. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot to consider there. And I guess another thing to consider is, is Amazon is really um, expanding its transportation capabilities, you know, buying equipment, all of these things. Um, you know, do you, do you have most of the companies sort of relying on Amazon's transportation network or are they doing more of that transportation network them, themselves? Yeah, it it varies a bit. Um, I'd say the default now is using Amazon's uh, is using Amazon arranged freight. So Amazon actually has a couple options within their their um, their sphere of influence. They actually have their own freight system um, company now where the trucks are you know under Amazon's banner. But they also do have some third party arranged freight, and they usually have reasonably good negotiated rates. So you can get um, pretty fairly priced LCL shipping, or you can even do small parcel delivery shipping, which is um, Usually brands find surprisingly affordable. We, we do have a number of clients who will arrange their own third-party freight, not usually for price reasons, but usually for workflow or operations reasons. You have, you have specific trucks or companies or drivers that you really trust. You might have a unique configuration, unique hours, unique kind of like pick um, parameters that, that you really like to have that consistent workflow. And, and honestly, you know, if you can... Uh, Reduce missed pickups even by you know a, a small amount or reduce uh, your time to get inventory and stock. It can be worth it for you to do your own third-party arranged freight. So it varies, but I'd say a majority are now using Amazon's um, freight lanes to get the product into Amazon. That's really interesting. Um, I, another question that comes to mind for me is: um, is you have a CPG company? You know, the, the customer goes to Amazon and they you know, type something in keto or, or what have you. You know, how do you improve the the sales rank or just the discoverability of of your particular product? You don't want to be buried on the tenth page. Yeah, yeah. No, glad glad you asked this. This is one of my favorite questions about. This is kind of like the core of how Amazon works. So, Amazon's algorithm is a little bit different than like a Google SEO algorithm. Um, Amazon is a giant stack rank of products by daily unit velocity, and so. Every product on Amazon is ranked by how many units it ships every day. And that's what we call Amazon sales rank. And what Amazon sales rank determines is how much free traffic Amazon sends you in the form of merchandising around the site. You've probably seen it as a consumer, stuff on your homepage, stuff on product recommendations on the side of pages, other product pages and so forth. And Amazon needs to fill that with stuff. And the way that they do that is they cascade it down to to their best performing products in order of sales rank. So what you're doing on Amazon is you're trying to improve your sales rank by increasing your unit velocity. And so um, 
that's like the macro view, but it actually the same logic applies for like an individual search term like keto. Um, keto, it, it's, it's really determined by, by performance. It's actually a reasonably simple and elegant system, which is if your product is one of the most clicked, most converted products on that search term, you will rise to the top. And so um, what, the, what ads do, what ads function as, is they're your way of buying your way to the top. You get visibility paid on top, and if you convert on that, your organic rank also starts to get up closer to the top. So your ads are, are basically your way of you're trying to buy units to get your sales rank up, both in a total sense and on an individual search term sense. And then that eventually results in more visibility and more organic traffic. Yeah, it's really interesting. So there's a lot of strategy. I mean, it seems like there's different strategies you could take, different approaches you could take. You could try to buy your way to the top for a period of time, see if that helps, then maybe back off from that from, from that advertising. I mean, I think it's all about um, sort of, I mean, just like uh, social media sites, right? It's all about sort of knowing the algorithm and kind of playing the game to, to, yeah. to work within that within that system. Yeah, the strategy of years ago was very search-oriented which was like, okay, we need to get to the top of this search rank. And what we've found is that's actually less important or it's decreased in importance as, as time has worn on. Um, not only are searches a lot are, are a lot more competitive and ads on big search terms can be very expensive, but a lot more conversions are actually coming on product pages or other merchandising around the site. Um, Amazon now has pretty robust audience-based targeting, like a, their version of a DSP. And so... What we try to do is test across all the different platforms and find out which one um, works best for your brand. Because ultimately, you're trying to get the cheapest ad uh, that gets you those units and gets you to the top. Okay, so so how does so how does an audience based um, you know uh, uh, work? I mean, does that does that mean you know because I'm a runner and I I buy other running products that's going to put me in terms of you know, sell me products that are you know designed for that same demographic or how does that work? Yeah, that's exactly right. So. Amazon's DSP, it's actually pretty powerful. You can um, you can pick any product on Amazon. Every every product on Amazon has a what they call an ASIN, which is their unique identifier for products. So you can pick any ASIN on Amazon and say, I want to target every every consumer who has bought this product in a specific time frame, and then or every consumer that has looked at this product in a specific time frame. And you can imagine you can construct all kinds of audiences. You could say, I want, um, I'm going to get all of the running shoes. Um, you know, you can choose the specific types or classes or price ranges. You could choose other running gear, like running watches. You can be pretty creative in, in how you um, structure the audiences. So it's, it's a cool place where you can really test um, how, how to do acquisition. What I'll say is that audience-based targeting right now tends to be a little bit more expensive than some of the um, conventional search and product-based page targeting. But if you really know exactly what your customer is, for example, if you're a brand that has, you know, one, for example, an incumbent brand that you know you can take customers from very easily, then audience-based targeting is a really powerful way to do it. Because what happens is rather than the ads just appearing on their pages, the ads then follow them around the internet. That's when you get you start to see Amazon ads, even off Amazon, suggesting a product based upon some of your shopping uh, behavior. Yeah, that's all great insight. Um, you know, w- one thing that comes to mind is you know on, on your website you have a number of um, white papers. Uh, seem to have this share of the passion that FreightWaves has for writing lots of white papers. 
Um, but so, so you, you mentioned some interesting things about, um, you know, packaging sizes that, you know, that work well on Amazon. You also have some interesting comments on pricing strategy that works well on, on Amazon. Maybe that, that contrasts a little bit to the, the retail channel. Would you mind walking through some of those things? Yeah, sure. So, um, so Amazon's pricing, they, they use a, or Amazon's shipping cost pricing, they use a, um, it's a stepped model based upon weight and cube. And so naturally with any pricing structure that has steps to it, it means that there's opportunities to optimize. You want to, you want to try to find, um, you know, corners in the curve that end up with a lower effective cost per, per price item. So a few, a few things that um, really matter on Amazon. So, for, for FBA fees, Amazon really optimizes to what they call a standard, um, a, a large standard size. And this is the size of package that fits in all of Amazon's fulfillment centers. If you're bigger than this, you actually get routed to a different network, um, which introduces cost, uh, decreases speed within the network, and um, just makes it a lot harder for you to sustain a business. And so the attributes to be within this um within large standard is you need to have a box that is less than 18 by 14 by eight inches, longest, middle, shortest side. And then it also needs to be less than 20 pounds gross weight, including all packaging weight. So that's kind of like the ceiling that you really want to make sure that you're not packing larger than. It can be a little bit challenging with beverage companies sometimes, like 24 cans gets you reasonably close to 20 pounds. And so you have to be really careful on how you pack it. Um, some other attributes, uh, the sweet spot of Amazon tends to be around 10 to 14 ounces is where you get the lowest possible um, FBA fees. One, one thing to, to note is that Amazon does a greater of weight and cube. So they have a dimensional weight calculation, which is length times width times height divided by 139 routed up to the nearest pound. And so um, if you... If you run the numbers and see that your uh, product weight is actually being driven by your dimensions, there's an opportunity to rethink um, how your package is being packaged. The final thing I'll say, I mean, I could go on for a while on, on these tips, is that um, Amazon gives fee breaks based upon pricing. So what they found is that it was really hard for brands to sell lower price items on the channel. And so they... Um, they discount their fees by about 7% if you're below $15 in food and if you're below $10 in a lot of household items. And so those are kind of the things you want to think about is like, can I get my weight down? Can I make sure the cube's not too big? And then can I get a price, a well-priced item that's like in the $10 to $15 range? Those tend to be the highest velocity items. Yeah, those are all things you really need to know if you're going to sell on, on, on Amazon. I mean, and, and it is interesting too, you know, combining that last comment of you want the ten to fifteen dollar product with the earlier comment that says, well, you know, it tends to be kind of maybe the more premium items work well on on Amazon. So it's almost like you're selling, you know, little packages of fancy chocolates or or, or things of that nature. But um, right. you know, yeah. So so, so all, all very interesting things. Um, you know, what can you tell us about this golden, is that a golden ice cream cone behind you? Was that a gift from a, a customer? Or? No, this is actually something I brought, uh, I'll try to bring it into screen. This is a uh, giant golden ice cream cone I brought from New York. I'm based in Austin, Texas now, but I, I lived in New York and um, yeah, just, just 
picked it off the street um, serendipitously. You know, there's trash on the streets in New York, but every one, one man's trash is another man's giant golden ice cream cone. And I, I think it was part of a retail fit out um, for a store. They just put it on the curb and I don't know if it was trash, but uh, now it lives here in my Zoom background. <laughs> it must have been an ice cream uh, company that went out of business. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they're doing okay now. Hopefully they're doing good. Well, well, great. Well, this is this is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I could go on and on, but you know, I encourage everyone to read your white papers. Get in touch with you. How can people get in touch with you? Sure. So, um, you can either go to our website, which is gocartograph.com, or um, and and there's a contact form. Uh, you can also just reach out to myself or the team on LinkedIn. Um, we we post uh, regular insights on Amazon. We we have a knowledge function that where we find we try to consolidate our best findings every week on Amazon and share them with the market. And then, um, yeah, reach out and we'll get you on our newsletter. We're actually hosting a webinar in about a month where we're going to talk about Q4 strategies and how to set yourself up for a really strong January. And a lot of CBG brands are trying to um, catch people, trying to be a little bit healthier. Well, that's great. Well, thanks very much. And if anyone needs to get in touch with me, I uh, can be found at mbowdendistal at freightwaves.com. Hope everyone has a great day.